Aratzko, <laughs> this Farbengen, this Farbengen was uh, given on a similar setup as this year, where Parshas Paralizcha is on the 21st day of Sivan, from Tavshin Chavtes, 1969. The beginning of this Victoria portion is the mitzvah of lighting the menorah, and that's why it's called Mahaloscha. And since this is the title of the Torah portion, it's understood this is the theme of the entire Torah portion, because the title... Um, denotes what the theme is about. So, we, the meaning of aloscha literally means to rise, to ascend. And what does that have to do with lighting the menorah? Why is lighting the menorah called light, rising up? So Rashi says, when you kindle the lights of the menorah, you have to keep the um, candle on the wick until the fire rises on its own. So that's why it's called when you go up, because it's about the fire rising on its own. You have to stay there until the fire rises. And this is also in sync with the inner meaning of lighting the menorah. Althabar writes at Lantakudetera, the candles refer to the neshamas, refers to the souls. As it says in the Pasuk, the candle of God is the soul of man. And that's the uh, mission of the Kohanim. The Kohanim are emissaries of Hashem, and they're emissaries of us, opinions, what the Kohanim are considered, the emissaries of the Jewish people, or emissaries of God. And they're both true. They're both words of the living God. So what's the role of the Kohen when he lights the menorah? It's also, his role is also not just to light the menorah physically, but his role is also to kindle and light up, illuminate the neshamas, the souls of the Jewish people, in a way that their fire rises on its own. But we still need to understand the word Baal that the fire should rise on its own. It's known that every word in the Torah, even the oral Torah, for sure the written Torah, is very precise. Seemingly, it's not understood. Why is it so important that the fire rise? The, when you light the menorah, the, um, the fire, the candle, stays in the same place. You just light it, and then it gives, then it gives off light. So the Pasuk should have said, when you kindle, or when you give light. So, by using that expression, you also would have gotten the same result. You have to light the candles, the menorah, until the day give light off by themselves. By saying the words, when you kindle, when you give light, um, that would have also given us the same message, that you have to light the menorah, and the menorah should give off light. You're not taking the menorah anywhere, just making it, you're not, you're not lifting it up. You just want the menorah's candles to shine. Of the Mbeza Migdash, when the iron goes there, the, so let's say the Torah would have said, when you kindle the candles, or would have said, when you illuminate the candles. We would have had the same result. Why is it so important to use this expression of elevation, when you cause the candles to, to rise? To understand this, to first preface the following. Even though Hashem created the whole entire world, and everyone talks about Hashem in such a... Hashem's name is, is, is in everyone's tongue. As the previous Rebbe said, that uh, even children call Hashem the Abishter, the one above, or Bashefer, or the Creator. Hashem created everything. But the way Hashem made the world is not in a way that Hashem did everything already, and we have nothing to do. Rather... Hashem made the world in a way 
that there should be a need for our participation. As it says in the conclusion of the sixth day of creation, this is Hashem concluded making the whole world. He made this whole world lasses. What does lasses mean? Lasses means to correct. He created the world that a person should reveal the various things that Hashem put in the world already. And Hashem left it for the person to reveal those things. They're not there by themselves. And a person needs to do this. Hashem endows a Jewish person with, with incredible ability to do this. As the Torah says that you are called Adam. Jew is called Adam. The word Adam means similar. You're similar to your creator. And therefore, just like Hashem is a creator, a Jew is commanded to be a creator as well and to reveal what's not there, what's not revealed in the world. So Hashem didn't make the world in a way that's all done. Rather, He created the world specifically in a way He wants us to partner with Him. To create something out of nothing, that's certainly only in the realm and jurisdiction of the Creator. That's not something we can do. If the Talmud says, if all of the entire world gets together, they cannot create even a mosquito. But a person's role is to reveal those things that are in, in creation, to take those things which are hidden, and to reveal them. And the Talmud says that we're called a partner with Hashem. What's the meaning of a partner? That means we have, a, we have an equal share. If one person has a big, bigger share than the other, it's not really called, it's not the true meaning of partnership. So not only does Hashem endow us to participate in His creation, but He calls us a partner, an equal partner, that Hashem does 50%, if you will, and we do 50%. That's the way that the Torah titles it. Hashem calls us his partners. If, if Hashem had a bigger share, we wouldn't be called his partners. So there's some things that only Hashem can do, true. But Hashem still calls us, our role is still called partnership. Yeah? Make sense? Okay. The question is, how can you say that? How can we say we have an equal share? Hashem does what's called yeshmi'ayin. He produces something physical out of the spiritual. He takes something out of nothing. A Jew, his role is only to reveal what's hidden. He's not able to create something out of nothing. So how can we say that we have the same kind of role? It's a whole different kind of thing. The Abishter creates something out of nothing. And we're just meant to take the potential that's there in the creation to reveal. The Gemara um, says a story about one of the Tanoim, that he once met this ugly man in the road. And the ugly man said, Welcome to you, my great rabbi and teacher. And the rabbi said, Boy, are you ugly. Pretty much that's how it happened. So, so the man said to uh, the rabbi, he said, Go to the craftsman that made me. If you don't like how I look, um, go to the craftsman that made me. So, so then the, the rabbi apologized, as the Talmud said, and he forgave him, they never explained in another place what the, the tzaddik was thinking, what was he trying to do, and, and they never explains he saw a, uh, a spiritual deficiency, and he thought that by insulting him, he would be able to, um, he'd be able to, to uh, knock him to his senses, and by, 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 by insulting him, he would wake him up, but it, you could see it wasn't necessary, because if it was necessary, the guy wouldn't have reacted the way he did. Right in the sur- his, his neshama was right on the surface. He didn't need to, he needed to take, a, take a, a drill, right? He, he does a drill, and so the guy like, whoa, leave me alone. 
So anyway, so so um, but for our our conversation here, there mentions a story to say that although what the tzaddik said wasn't a lie, he still wasn't allowed to say it. Because since we're talking about Hashem's creation, and therefore you're not allowed to look at the deficiency, you have to look at the virtue. If, it, if it's Hashem's, if Hashem made something, our, we, we are, we are, we're not allowed to focus on the negative, we have to look at the positive. And that's why this tzaddik had to truly had to apologize, because although it was true, we're not allowed to, um, if Hashem made something, so it's, 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 it's important. So, it says also in Tanya, um, an explanation for the words of our sages. When it ta- they say, our sages tell us to be like students, to be, we should be students of, of uh, Aaron. How should we be students of Aaron? We should love Hashem's creations, bring them close to Torah. It says in Tanya, who is, does the Mishnah mean when it says love Hashem's creation? Hashem's creations, love Hashem's briyes. What it means is, there's somebody you cannot see anything good about them. The only thing you could say about them is, well, Hashem made them. You have to draw them close to you with strong cords of love. So, not just you have to love them, we have to do, as the Torah says, love them like yourself. So since the creation of Hashem has such an incredible virtue, how can we say that when a Jew's role is only to reveal what's in Hashem's creation already, it's not about making something out of nothing, how can we call a Jew a partner with Hashem? Why is he a partner? Hashem is a creator, and his creation is so important that this rabbi was meant to look at the positive, when he, because Hashem created this person, and we're supposed to love everyone, because just because they're, they're created by Hashem. So how can we say that we are called partners with Hashem? So the answer is like this. When there's something in creation that's just in a state of potential, you're, there's a, something, something missing. If something is just in potential, something's missing. And not only is it missing perfection, but it's, not, it, its purpose in creation is not being fulfilled at all. Because although it has a potential, but that potential was there when God made it. With the whole point, um, I'm sorry, the potential was there even before God made it. The potential for this creature to exist existed before the creature was created. The potential existed before. But mm-hmm. it, it, before God created it, already could, it could have been. What's, what's the novel about the creation of the world is that something went from potential to actual. So Hashem crea- revealed um, His powers Himself by creating the world. That's the whole point of creation, that we should, Hashem should, according to one explanation, the purpose of creation is to reveal, to, Hashem wanted to reveal His glory, reveal His strength to us. Begin the Shtamudinle, so that people should know about Him, to reveal Himself. himself. So the whole point of creation is for revelation. And since the role of a person is to reveal what is there, so he is actually fulfilling the whole point of Hashem making the world. Hashem wants it to be gili lukus. Hashem wants it to be revelation. So not only is a person's participation called, called a partnership, but more, but we are really the major partner. Why? Because we... we complement Hashem's portion. Only when we do our share is God's portion um, meaningful. Without our participation, Hashem's contribution is meaningless. That's what I was saying. Not only is that amazing, right? It sounds a little blasphemous. I added that line. <laughs>
Everybody gives a parable to explain this. As long as Hashem's, Hashem's, Hashem's contribution to creation is lacking without what we're doing, not only is it lacking, but um, yeah, Hashem's, Hashem's creation is not fulfilling its purpose without us being there. An example for this is a candle. As long as a candle isn't lit, as long as a candle isn't illuminating, so it's understood simply that although the candle exists, its purpose is not being fulfilled. Only when you light the candle is the candle fulfilling its purpose. Both in regards to the place that the candle needs to shine and, uh, and also in regards to um, the candle itself. In other words, vis-a-vis the place the candle is meant to illuminate, the candle isn't fulfilling anything until it's lit. But also vis-a-vis the candle itself. The candle, until it until it gives light, what is the candle? The candle is an inanimate object. It has no, has no function. Um, what is it? It's inanimate. But when it gives light to a human being, now it's been elevated. Now, it, now it's participating in the purpose of creation. So that's how it is even with a physical candle. How much more so is this true spiritually regarding the neshama, which is called the candle of Hashem. As long as that candle of Hashem inside me, inside anyone, is not lit... Although the candle is there, and the oil is there, and the wick is there, its main purpose is not fulfilled. It's missing its major component. It's missing its critical component. As um, the Valshantav once said, you could have a box of candles that aren't giving light. Um, I'm not familiar with this story of Valshantav, but there's some story of Valshantav about a box of candles that aren't giving light. And therefore, you have to light the candles so that they should illuminate. And not only have to light the candles, but you have to light the candles in a way that the fire rises on its own. That means that the candle should light, the, the, the neshama should give off light in a way that the neshama, or the person that you inspire, that their candle is now shining, there you should be in a state that they don't need you anymore. They don't need, so to speak, even Hashem. In other words, Hashem says in the Torah, I re- desire the work of your hands. Hashem wants us to make our own efforts. It's similar to what the Gemara says. Um, there are abiri There are those who are strong-hearted, that are distant from charity. What that means is, they they are on a high level spiritually, and uh, they don't need to. Um, don't they don't need when they pray? They don't need to say, please uh, or. Because of your kindness, Hashem, give this to me. They have, so to speak, a right to ask from Hashem because of who they are. But nevertheless, they still are supposed to act and ask in a way of, of, of tzedakah, ask Hashem to give tzedakah. But, um, but, but, but the point is that they have achieved something. They, they are in a state that, so to speak, that they don't need Hashem's kindness to deserve. They deserve. So similar way, the purpose of of Hashem giving each of us a candle is in order that it should give light in a way that we don't need the help of another person to have that light. We don't even need, so to speak, the, the help of Hashem. That means a person reaches a state, like King David said about himself, my heart is empty within me. I don't have a Yitzhahara. David Melch killed his Yitzhahara by fasting. And like Avram Avinu, it says, Hashem found his heart faithful to Hashem, that, that even his Yitzhahara became faithful to Hashem. So he doesn't need any assistance. So he's like a child who left his father's house and doesn't need his father to, to, to feed him anymore. That's a very high, lofty level. So when you light a candle, 
and it gives off light. So then the candles reach their perfection, they reach their virtue. That means besides the fact that they, they fulfill the point of why they were created and they give light to the world, but more, they themselves are elevated. When a neshama, in other words, illuminates another neshama, besides the fact that the second neshama has been illuminated, the first Jew who is, who is illuminating the other neshama, he is now elevated himself. He is now, he is now on a different plane. He has been, been elevated. I was uh, listening to a show about this yesterday. It's, 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 it's not, in order to find the candle on the other person, what do you need to use to find the candle on the other person? Your own candle. If you, find your, if you use your neshama to find their neshama. So in, in, the, in the effort to um, reach out to another person and illuminate the neshama, you have to find soul in you to find soul in another person. But, um, so, so it's not just that you're, you're lifting the other person up, you're lifting yourself up. You are being elevated. Uh, how are you being elevated? So besides what I just mentioned, let's see what the Rebbe says. The Rebbe says like this. Um, it says in Tanya, the neshama does not need to be rectified at all. It only came to this world to elevate the body. So how does it, that's what it says in, in Tanya. But it says everywhere else in Chassidus besides Tanya, the neshama comes to the world, why does it come to the world? Gerida, zul, neshama comes down to go up higher. So how can we say the neshama doesn't need to be rectified, the neshama is perfect, doesn't it always say the neshama goes down or to reach, to reach a higher level? The explanation is that the intent of Hashem, of why the neshama has to come down to the world, is for the sake of the body. That that's also enough of a reason for Hashem to give us a neshama and to bring the neshama to the world. But when the neshama fulfills its role, since Hashem makes sure that every creature is um, given just reward. So Hashem gives the neshama an infinite reward. And so the neshama also is elevated. So, and not only is the neshama, is the neshama elevated, but the neshama has a dramatic elevation that surpasses the elevation of the body and the animal soul. Because the neshama reaches a level called to cleave to the king himself. That's something which does not exist in the world. So the body's elevation, the body becoming purified, the animals all becoming purified, it, it never could reach this, this kind of uh, intimacy with Hashem that the Zohar describes about the Neshama Lishtav of Gufta Malka. Last week we learned about how the, uh, the animal soul could have mysterious nefesh, which the Neshama can't, the Neshama learns from the animal soul. But now we're learning the opposite that the neshama is able to achieve a different kind of intimacy, the animal soul doesn't even, it's impossible for the animal soul to have. So, why is neshama come to the world? Is, is it for its own elevation, or is it for the sake of the body to be elevated? The Rebbe says, the purpose of neshama coming to the world is for the body to be elevated. However, the neshama also has its own reward too, but that's not what the, what the reason the neshama came to this world. The didn't need to come to the world. The was doing well. It reaches a higher level by its activity. So now we can explain the language of the Torah, that the Torah says, light the candle until it rises on its own. Because, why are we using that language? Because we, we want to underscore that by the neshama giving off light, the neshama itself is elevated. And that's the whole parasha is called because the whole point of everything 
For example, the idea of why the ark was traveling in the desert, and everything else Torah discusses this week. What's the whole point? The whole point is that things should be elevated. And so too regarding the one who kindles the menorah. That when he lights the candle, and he lights a candle in a way that it rises on its own, that lifts him up too. Just like he caused a candle to reach its perfection, the candle was not a candle, I mean the candle was a candle, it wasn't fulfilling its role until it was kindled, so too the one who lights the candle, until he does his role, he is not, um, he's not achieving his purpose either. Um, so because he caused God's creations to become perfected, because he lit up someone else's candle and helped God's creation to reach its function, to reach its purpose, so too with himself, he's also now elevated. So that's why we asked before, the Torah could have used the word Ba'alitcha, 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 but the Torah used the word Ba'alitcha to say that a Jew has a very primary role in creation, and that is to, that we're able to elevate the creation, because the candle by itself is not fulfilling its purpose in creation. And only when it gives light is it fulfilling its purpose, and so to each of us, we're not fulfilling our purpose until we give light and illuminate another Jew. What's the lesson? The Rebbe says, lesson like this. Jewish people are all called neiris lahoyer. They are called candles to illuminate. To impact other Jews. Since you're supposed to love your fellow Jew like yourself, you also have to make the other Jew not just to have light himself, but also to give off light to someone else. That means, in language of halacha, halacha talks about moisture. What's the definition of moisture? Moisture means something that's so wet that if it touches something else, it will also make it moist. So the impact you have to have on another Jew has to be in a way that they will want to have an impact on another Jew. And therefore, the way you have to impact on the person has to be, as the Torah says in Parashas Meshvatim, Moshe Benu is told by Hashem, these are the laws, Hashem tells Moshe, you should place in front of them. What does it mean you should place in front of them? So Rashi says it should be like a set table, that all the food is there, and the person just has to go has to eat because it's all set up. That means don't be satisfied because you learn with someone one time. Don't say, I did my mission, I learned with him one time, that's, that's enough. We have to learn with him until he himself knows all the details in a way that it's in front of him. That, not just in front of him, but the word lifnehem also means inside him. It should become his own thing. Don't say, oh, I, I taught him, I did it, I'm done. Rather, the Torah says, put it in front of him, make him understand it in a way to make it inside of him. And that's something the Torah told us right after the Torah was given. Torah was given in a way of revelation. But then Hashem immediately told us we got to get to work. By studying Torah, everything starts with Torah. And how should you study Torah and how should you teach Torah? The way it's placed in front of the person you're teaching. And from the Torah, that, that causes everything else to work in the same way. The mitzvahs, everything else. That, they, that, that the way to transmit that to another person is in the way that they should have it. They should own it. It should be theirs. And since our effort in this regard, has to be in a way of alacrity. As it says in chapter 21 of Letters of the Alter Rebbe in Tanya, Yer Sakhedesh, whatever mentioned, Ach Tevli Yisrael, means there's only, the, the, the 21 is also um, numerically equivalent to the word Ach, which is only, and the Rebbe points out that the word only is the beginning of a verse, ach so it should only be good for the Jewish people. So in the chapter, I think the Rebbe is alluding to the fact that this chapter helps everything be good. Um, what does it say in that chapter? 
It says how the great value of alacrity, the great value of enthusiasm, the great value to be eager. So our impact on the person has to be with alacrity, with a joy, and with a smile. It says a person is jealous of everybody except for their son, except for their student. You're jealous of everybody. That's how she made a person. You're jealous of everybody except for your student, except for your son. So since you consider the other person your student, so you want to give him more and more, and you don't, you don't mind that he'll be greater than you. You don't mind that he won't need you. And this activity brings down all blessings. First of all, it brings down light. So that Hashem gives light, not just to the one who receives the light from you, but you to you too. As it says in the Talmud, that a poor man and a rich man meet, Hashem gives light to the eyes of them both. That doesn't just mean a poor man and a rich man physically, but also a poor man and a rich man spiritually. When you give to someone else, doesn't have, Hashem gives light to you both. And, and that through this, this causes light to the entire world. Similar to the Menur and the Beis HaMikdash. It gives light to the whole world. And as we mentioned for bringing last week, um, that we caused that there should be a, a year of light and from the first letter of the Aleph base, Oira, which means light, which comes to the letter base, which means blessing, and letter Gimel, which means redemption. And this beginning by redemption, a personal level from all things that disturb us. And this should bring us to the redemption, not just the, on a personal level, but for the whole world, the coming Mashiach Tzikeinu, the Karim Mamish. At the end of this uh, talk, there we again sing the Nigan, I know, I know, I'm the, I'm the. Um, Chaim, Chaim. All right.